Hello friends and welcome back to yet another episode of These Five Songs. Today's guest has been a friendly face since the early days of myself moving to Oakville and whether you know him from his time slinging bass in the pop-punk outfit Parkside or from smashing the low end with hometown heroes Rarity who coincidentally have two new singles, Leave It Alone and Worn Down, out now. Our guest today is an electricity bolt of energy on stage and a delight off the stage. Cole Gardner, it's your time to shine. Holy Christ, that was so kind. Thank you. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> what is good? What is good? Now just sitting in the room, uh, just playing Skater XL. What's up with you, dude? Uh, not much. Is is that is that worth it? Is Skater XL worth it? Okay. Uh, if Dan Walton's listening, yeah. I had a <laughs> Dan and my friend Jonah and I played pretty extensively, but we went from playing uh, the game called Session, which is kind okay, of yeah. it's a mimic version of Skater XL. We played that a lot, and then jumping into Skater XL, I had a lot like more expectations for it. Mm-hmm. But I got really happy after I learned how to proper properly play. Give it yeah. a week, man. It's overall, yeah, it's one thousand percent. But you have to give it a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, fair. Fair. I, yeah, I've been looking at uh, getting it. Uh, the only thing it, it seems it seems a bit a bit bare bones, but um, like for the fifty five dollar price tag. But anyway, yeah, the this... price tag is not worth it. But like that's all I play, so yeah. <laughs> it, it balances out. Yeah. Fair. Uh, well, this is not the uh, I, IGN Games cast. Uh, <laughs> we're we're here today to talk about music and specifically um, the. The theme of the the list uh, that that you picked today is the five songs that have you know in, inspired your playing style. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so we're gonna take a a walk down uh, down memory lane here. Uh, the these songs are all songs that um, I think also I have a, a pretty strong connection to. Um, so I'm, I'm I know sure. at least one of them you do, and I yeah. definitely had to. Funny enough, it's it's very prominent, but I had to include it in the list for you so I could get you uh, to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> Hell yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, let's let's kick into it uh, right away here. And, and that that first song is "Pop." Uh, if this tour doesn't kill you, I will uh, slash DVP off the album. The dream is over, released May twenty seventh, twenty sixteen. So I mean, technically, this is two songs, but you know, oh, one thousand percent. But because of the transition, I yeah. even texted you about this because of how smooth and seamless that transition is. That's one song, baby. Yeah, absolutely. That that transition. I think when I first heard this album, and just uh, immediately, if this tour doesn't kill you, going into DVP, it's such a a perfect and and seamless transition, and it it hits. It hits so hard. It's so um, when you see it live too. Every time I've seen Pop live, it's like it just it goes off. That that this song demands your attention. Oh, one thousand percent. It's fucked up. So here's the funny thing: when I was listening to DVP for the first time, I was just smoking with my uh, roommate at the time in college, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just came on as like one of those auto videos, whatever. And it was catchy. It was like, do you know the lyric video of like the video game style and all that shit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was obviously very nice to look at. We watched it, we laughed, ha ha ha, like the the fruit punch line like bent yeah. me over, dude. Like Hawaiian red fruit punch. So funny. So we listened to DVB for about like two weeks, just that song. 
And then we were like, all right, fuck it, let's branch off. And then we heard, if this tour doesn't kill you, into DVP. And we just sat there, absolutely floored. Like, is this the same song? Like, did we just miss it? Like, did they cut it? Like, what's good? It's incredible. That song is just so incredible on so many levels. Like, the fuzz on that track really got me into fuzz. Like, really got me into fuzz. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too. Like, uh, this album... And specifically, I think like that you know these two songs they they kind of pulled Pup from being, you know, a, a moderately popular band within like the punk scene into I, w- I would straight up say a mainstream band. I mean, I mean suddenly they played Pup, on the fucking CBC, man. Yeah, like yeah, they're exactly. mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> suddenly they were getting played on like all these indie stations and and CBC and and you know like Juno's whatever. It there's they've they'd kind of like taken over and suddenly people from like my hometown who never really listened to this type of music were like oh yeah pup um yeah it's like a canadian thing like if you're in canada and you listen to rock music you just understand who pup is even if you haven't heard a song you've heard mm-hmm. the word pup yeah and, and they, they, like they, buddy from stranger things was in the videos like he catapulted the videos yeah what's his name i don't watch stranger things sorry uh finn wolfhard yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't watch it either. I will say that I've I've surprisingly <laughs> never seen a single episode. But uh, anyway, the the whole yeah this this kind of this album blowing up. Um, you know, at, at that time in 2016, uh, you know, did it did it feel in, encouraging once you know this band started to kind of take over? It was an encouraging to see a band like this uh becomes such a success story you know playing multiple sold out nights at danforth uh etc yeah that shit blows my mind because they're not uh polished by any means like obviously mm-hmm. they have like quality recordings but like they still they're still ripping like vintage cabs modded stuff and just getting a wall of fuzz around them but yeah like dude didn't they do what four or five nights at the danforth just straight sold out like yeah that's yeah. that's absurd they're a beer punk band at the time like they were just a band to drink beers to and now it's just they're getting a lot of recognition and they deserve all of it but holy christ holy christ <laughs> uh have you seen pop live have you gotten a chance i haven't no each time they've played one of the toronto shows have either been away or just coming back it's always been like a bad lineup like when i moved from ottawa they were coming two weeks after when i was like coming home from tour i would miss them by literally a day like yeah. it, it was dumb shit like that they, yeah, they played at my my uh, school. They the Sheridan it, thing, yeah. Yeah, that like what was that like two years ago, one year ago now. But it was that was twenty seventeen, I think. Yeah, that was yeah. insanity. Um, yeah. But but yeah, no, I, pop. You know, that uh, definitely. I think uh, interesting in the sense that yeah, like I said, this kind of success story of a band that you wouldn't you know typically place this band. Uh, as a band to get played on on CBC, you know, indie stations, etc. So uh, <laughs> a children's Christmas show, nonetheless. Don't get yeah, it twisted. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let's uh, let's move into the next song because I have not talked about this band yet on uh, this podcast, and uh, this band has kind of always been around for me. Um, and, and that that band and that song is. Weezer, Lonely Girl, off the album Everything Will Be Alright in the End, released October 7th, 2014. Um, Full disclosure, I am not a Weezer fan. 
Okay, I was gonna I ask just, you where where I do never, you stand I, on I, Weezer? I missed, I missed the fucking boat. Like, yeah, they rip. Like, there's no denying it. But like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not hanging out with the boys and like, yo, I could go for some Weezer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not Play, doing playing D and D with the boys, listening to some Weezer. Oh, yeah, listening to some Pinkerton. <laughs> like, let's jump off a bridge. Nah, that shit's way too sad for me. But I just saw a, a like one of those in case you missed it articles about mm. uh lonely girl and mm-hmm. it was just about like the songs topics and all that stuff so i was like oh this is kind of weird uh i'll go check it out i think it's about falling in love with someone you've never met from across the world mm-hmm. or something i'm not too sure but it it was just like that's when i really got into i know it sounds silly but uh power chord driven like rock music mm-hmm. like if you listen to lonely girl it's four or five chords entire song and then the bridge is pretty much the exact same shit with a clean drive yeah the whole song is the same rhythm the same uh chords and then the yeah the bridge build up right before the eq is literally two other fucking chords it's it's insane and they built such a like new fan base off that because i found it through ads and like i said an article and i was just looking at the comments recently actually and they were just like never heard of weezer like found this through this dude it, it's a lot of kids missed uh the 90s era of like yeah. weezer i didn't know who they were beyond my name is jonas and that one song in that mary kate and ashley movie dude like they were not on my radar whatever what song was it the holiday in the sun yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. which yeah. whoa which Mary Kay Nashley movie was that? Uh, is, is so that... they went to Bar uh, they went to Barbados and they went to that like Atlantis resort. I think it might have been called uh, Holiday in the Sun. Uh, I think it may have. Yeah, I would assume so. I always get it mixed up with the one where they get put on uh, witness protection. I used to watch a lot. Used to, seriously, I used to watch a lot of these movies as a kid. My sister had every single one. New York I was just like, minute. what? Uh, yeah, that was like a feature full length, man. That yeah. was a big thing in the family. Like, what simple plan, <laughs> dude. With uh, what's the Canadian guy who was in Eugene, American Pie? Eugene, yeah, Levy. he was in it. He was. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Nonetheless, lonely girl. It's just like it's so sick because it's just like standard power chords, and that's mm-hmm. funny enough. Weezer got me into drug church. Okay, like what a bizarre. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> Because I, I mean, like that power chord stuff. I brought it up to my buddy, Zach, like Parkside's uh, old guitarist. And he was just like, dude, you would love Drug Church. Then he showed me a bunch of lit songs. And it really changed, honestly, how I approached music. Nothing had to be complicated, mm-hmm. cool, or like crazy weird. It was yeah. just like, man, I can just write it literally power chords, put like a corn flanger lead style on it. Done. Call it a day, go home. it well it's interesting too because like for someone like me i you know i i'm trying to think what the first weezer song i would have heard is but but i'm not too sure but uh i mean definitely that buddy holly one for me yeah it might have been that 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 or like everywhere as a kid dude that was on every tv station every radio everything mm -hmm. yeah the but like that that album blue album is is very much you know in that same vein power chords straight up simple you know alt rock kind of uh but also <clears throat> incorporating you know like it's almost like taking beach boys influence and then you know putting fuzz and, and putting this distortion over it. it's it's uh 
a really interesting way of writing songs. But uh, regardless, this this album, Everything Will Be Alright in the End, uh, was definitely like a return to form, I think. Um, especially after uh, Ratitude and Hurley. Have you listened to those albums? Dude, I haven't listened to anything other than piece, like the singles off Pinkerton, the Blue Album, because <laughs> this is lame. I think it's Home Safe. They did a cover of it. And okay. don't quote me on that. I, I, it was either Home Safe or a band called Eastwood. I fucking forget. But it was killer. So I went to go listen to the original. <laughs> and everything off of uh, the Lonely Girl album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but those, those albums, Ratitude and Hurley, not great. I would not recommend checking them out. Uh, and, and Weezer's kind of always... I've, I've had a complicated like history with Weezer where you know they'll put out like a really good album uh like everything will be all right in the end or white album and then you know the album they put out after that is just absolutely dreadful um so it's it's interesting with this album everything will be all right in the end uh definitely less of of rivers kumo experimenting with like electro pop and you know like there was a Lil wayne feature on ratitude you know less of that huh? <laughs> oh yeah Oh yeah, <laughs> you I'm <never> good. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy that day. It's uh, I can't stop partying, featuring Lil Wayne. At least it's relatable. Yeah, man. Every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the Weezer. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can. I did there. Anyways, Weezer. Yeah, they've they've done it all. Lil Wayne features. You know, uh, there's a lot going on with Weezer, but. If you can find uh, the good stuff, like everything will be all right in the end, definitely recommend that. Check out that album. Amen, amen. Anything else you have to say about Weezer? Fucking power chords, baby. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, that song is really cool. If anyone can listen to any Weezer song, that's the one I would definitely point them to. It's just, it's just fun. It's an ass shaker. That's right. Uh, and let's move on to another ass shaker here oh here she goes here she goes uh and that is seaway your best friend off the ep all in my head released november 4th 2014 big summer vibes um body don't even get me started <laughs> well one of the best choruses um in, in recent pop punk memory in my opinion like just so catchy one thousand percent yeah that intro like man mm-hmm. like it, it, it's no secret like i was in the Sabrina video, like I am Seaways, like I worship that band and it's so embarrassing. But like your best friend was untouchable. Like nothing was coming up to that. So straight up, like it was a weird series of events the first time I heard that song. Uh I went to Loden's house show. Funny enough, the first time I actually really hung out with Loden was at his house show, Counterparts, Face Value, uh yeah. and Insult. I think I've seen, yeah, I've like, seen like videos of that, but ages ago, yeah, yeah, like ages ago. And straight up, my drive home uh, was drunk as hell. So I was like, obviously, I'm not getting in the car with them. So mm-hmm. the only person in my area there was Ken Taylor. So like, I've hung out with, like, I've grown up with the guys, like going to shows and stuff and all that, whatever, whatever. So wasn't wild uh, to go back to Oakville. But he was just like, "Yo, like, do you want to hear the new stuff?" I was just like, "Yeah, of course." Like, pop it on. He played your best friend. I'm not kidding you. I lost my mind in this guy's car. And I, I like made him replay it three times. I was like, that is the best chorus that is just like, oh, dude. 
everything about that song got me excited about pop punk again. Like I had my first phase with quicksand by the story so far, but when I heard this, like it was a whole different level, the dual vocals, the clean guitars, just like, man, (laughs) yeah, that whole song is like perfection. And this whole EP, I think is, is kind of like, in my opinion, at least like the perfect Seaway release, because it's just like, Four really tight, catchy songs, great hooks, you know, no filler. Everything can be played on the radio, but like you're talking to the wrong guy because I think Vacation is one of their most like, I think it's just like criminally underrated. Fair. I I agree. I I love that album too. Um, I don't know why that didn't like put them at like 2000 cap room level. Like it it blew my mind. I thought that was like, I heard, I heard that record. I was like, this is it. Like, see ya. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I kind of thought the same thing. Um, this whole song made me really want to approach music in a much softer, kinder way. Because mm. I've always been very much gain, 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 overdrive, overdrive. And just like, like Christ, I was playing EMGs in a pretty pop punk band. Like, it was just my thing. And like, I've, I've straight up always wanted to copy Andrew's tone. And <laughs> this was like the closest I came to it with Parkside. It was just like, Less is more with Seaway mm-hmm. in terms of guitar tone. Like yeah. I've watched them play in the fellowship with like heavy guitars and then seeing them now with like Fender combos and like just purely fuzz. It's, it, it, it's weird, but your best friend is in my opinion, like a perfect song. Um, and so Parkside, you know, played with Seaway on, on a few occasions uh, being in Parkside. Did you find, you know, at any times was it was it kind of hard to to distinguish yourself from the other pop punk bands in that scene? Because I mean, if we're being honest here, pop punk kind of does this thing every few years where almost all the bands just decide like, I think that's the sound. <laughs> like, I yeah. think I think we're gonna do so, this yeah. sound. Um, so, I mean, what did you do to kind of make Parkside stand out during its uh, during its duration? Uh, I acted like a dick on stage, dude. Like, I I would. <laughs> do crazy things i would do stupid things like and it, it won people over got people's attention but like that's kind of how i differed ourselves like we would have a really good live show and we would have simon hatsianu on drums who would just like that kid was a, a, a different breed back in the day like people were like astonished by him i don't know everyone in that band had a very uh specific element towards them and i feel like our live show differed ourselves from all of these other guys uh, especially on track, I think Anton really helped distinguish us from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Rob's sure. Rob having a higher voice as a main singer instead of like that being the secondary singer and us actually switching it up, having Devin like at the time and Aiden, like the lower heavier dudes uh, singing secondary and, and then having the higher dudes sing uh, first, that wasn't really getting done to the degree that we did it locally like i'm not saying we're innovators or anything it's just like we were doing that and everyone else while they were doing the dual dual vocals excuse me we're doing lower end on uh lead for sure yeah so so near the i mean you know like i said pop punk kind of experiences these these uh you know rebirths and and kind of waves of popularity every few years parkside was kind of you know coming on this this kind of tail end where, where pop punk was was starting to kind of die out a little bit everyone was, was trying was to sound there... like the 1975 and going like clean tone exactly. yeah 
clean tone and just electro pop yeah yeah that that, Mm -hmm. we all know what it was ripping off like just the drum style and like the the flanger on guitars like it's a dead giveaway like come on especially for the time that girls came out uh i don't know uh we just kind of wrote what we wanted to Mm. straight up and we weren't really trying to fit into a certain genre like we were trying to get a little bit more melodic but at the same time a little bit more aggressive so it's not like we were going to be going into a happier brighter route in a popular sense kind of like what real friends did Mm. we just kind of noticed it was on the tail out because all of our friends got picked up and if you didn't get picked up it's because you weren't touring like us like i was touring with rarity and like rob didn't want to tour at the time so it's not like we were touring in the states and like building a name we were just vibing but I don't know. We kind of knew like around when we broke up that it was time. Just like bands were breaking up. Bands, uh, like everyone has like the three years of like, oh, this is it. The scene's back. And then yeah. Yeah. bands get picked up. And then the ones that don't can't afford to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they have to stop. And I was like at a weird point. We were all at a weird point, like 22, 23. Then like be realistic. You don't have a whole lot of money and you you want more money and you have to spend your money a little bit more wisely it was purely a money thing it's just rob wanted to work blah 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 like i wanted to save money and everyone was just like yeah we can't afford or justify to put another six grand into an ep thing and make like a like a rack back <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well go fund me did that kind of answer the question that that did that did answer the yeah. question man what do, you, like, what do you think though go fund me parkside I'd rather piss my pants and let everybody watch. No, fuck no, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, like, I would love the idea, but 25 and doing that, 26 yeah. and doing that, and then 27 when we can play live shows, I'm all right. <laughs> Thir- the 30 and counting tour. You guys will Holy shit. 30s going out. You know? Kingston at 30, man. Come on. <laughs> Hitting the doors. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway speaking of uh pissing your pants and everybody watching uh quite literally i get this yes <laughs> uh limp biscuit nookie <laughs> um, i don't know man <laughs> i don't know that was really i was trying to pull some kind of segue there um <laughs> limp biscuit nookie off the album significant other release june 22nd 1999 um and i mean you know People may roll their eyes, and I, I may joke. I'm uh, being dead serious, and I'll break down why I'm dead serious about oh, this I, being like I know, genuinely man. important. Yeah, <laughs> I, but yeah, you know, people they, they kind of roll their eyes when they hear Limp Biscuit, but I think you you have to consider that this song was huge. Like this album, Significant Other, is seven times platinum. Yeah, uh, it, it sold nearly seven hundred thousand copies in its first week. This isn't a cult favorite. This is no. a genuine, statistically speaking, classic. Yes. <laughs> like, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. And I mean, obviously, you know, that was a time when records were selling physical copies. But uh, I, I guess, yeah, why, why this song? C- can you express some of your love for, for Limp Bizkit here? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, like, Limp Bizkit, like, the whole band is really cool to me but this era specifically and this song specifically and because of the video like let me break it down (laughs) just limp biscuit is obviously very very weird and 
not necessary in music. Like their vocals don't really match up with their guitar tones. There's a DJ, uh, John Matthews is like, or John Otto is taking me to the Matthews bridge. Like, man, it's just, it's weird. Mm-hmm. And I liked that because obviously like, like, I, I don't know if you ever saw Parkside, but I was like, I'm playing like a Telecaster thin line mm-hmm. in like in <laughs> short shorts and a t-shirt. I'm throwing my guitar up. I'm trying to look different. I'm trying to do different things and I'm trying to be different and I'm trying to stand out. And Wes Borland and like, Fred Durst are the epitome of standing out, being different, and creating your own wave, like yeah. with your boys. Yeah, it, it's like funny. you can still be separate, but you can still very much be a collective, and I love that idea. Totally, uh, yeah. That's the thing. Like seeing, uh, I've been watching like some videos of of Limp Bizkit live because they they honestly they kill it like every time, um, and I I think West Borland especially like that dude comes out with the most insane like outfits you know he's got like a, a fucking prosthetic nose <laughs> like dude west borland made me hyper aware of what i wear on stage and for me to have fun with it and for me not to play comfortably anymore like ryan Locke actually told me something uh the first seaway tour that has stuck with me to this day and i preach it to everybody nobody wants to see your legs mm. <laughs> so like yeah rarity will play in short shorts when it's like crazy hot in like new orleans but if i can i would like to wear jeans like black jeans i would like to wear an expressive t-shirt and dude like be real if i had the budget and we weren't playing like 200 caps or one 100 whatever we were playing like big things i would have like a full face of makeup 1000 percent. i would be like full out on the costume hell yeah yeah. It is. It's weird that you you mentioned the shorts thing, but that is something that I often think about. You, you see a guy take the stage in shorts on like a. You hate uh, it. You hate it. It's yeah. just a weird thing to see. It's like that doesn't. It's not you know. Or one guy's wearing like shorts, the other guy's in fucking like black pants, the other guy's in jeans and Air Apostle shirt. It's. Uh, it I throws think... off the vibe one thousand percent, and totally. with Rarity trying to. Like, we obviously have a vibe, and we work very hard to keep that vibe. It's just... I don't know, man. It's important. It's, it's important to look good and to feel good. <laughs> and just when you go up, and you're, <laughs> you're like, Aeropostal, like, blue jeans, and, like, flip-flops. It's just like, what are you doing, my guy? Like, stop that. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna slip. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want any uh, don't want any injuries on stage if you can avoid it. Get those... Get those... <laughs> flip-flops off um fred durst said about this song uh he said it's about my ex-girlfriend how she treated me like shit and i couldn't leave her i wouldn't get over it she screwed my friends and used me for my money and i tried to figure out why i did it and i figured i did it all for the nookie (laughs) and now he's just a uh sucker with a lump in his throat baby yeah but that that is a, a, a direct quote um instrumentally the song features a sample from an italian porno from the 70s yeah uh which then inspired the band to to dub the song nookie as a working track um but then when fred durst came in he was like oh yeah nookie uh (laughs) (laughs) i did it i did it all for the nookie yeah you got all excited and then that that became the song um straight up that song musically is fantastic like it's yeah, so absolutely. heavy it's so low and they still incorporate a dj 
heavily into that. Like, I still want a DJ in rarity. Like, I will go out on record and say I think it is necessary. Like, it would be so sick. That'd be but sick. Yeah. The blend that that song has is definitely Limp Bizkit's best song. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and also uh, like Fred Durst, you know, he people kind of you know make fun of his his rapping, and to a certain extent, yeah, obviously it's it's a little dated his you know rap verses, but. His it was actual... very time and place. That's the thing about Limp Bizkit. It was very time and place. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? The the boom of, of kind of that new metal rap rock, uh, you know, right when it was just kind of taking over. Um, but, you know, his, his actual, like, v- you know, vocals, uh, when he's actually singing, uh, he has a, a, a really good voice, I think. I, I really like Fred oh, yeah. Durst's uh, voice. I, I don't know. When he raps and it's like the like talking kind of style that he does, yeah, it's a little high pitched and goofy. But dude, like that guy has a big voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, he's he, he's a new metal vocalist. At the end of the day, he he has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's so much uh, so many places that he has to take the song. Uh, so the, the the new rarity song, leave it alone. Uh, it's an arena ready barn burner of a tune, if I do say so myself. Uh, Jesus. Do, do do you find influence from you know? I mean, I guess we we just said this, but you know, finding influence from bands like Limp Bizkit and Corn. Uh, do you find that that mainly does come through the aggression of of live performances uh, more so than you know writing? I guess. Yeah, well, with writing, just, like, obviously Corbin takes a hold of that, and it's very much, like, his baby, and we'll mold around that, and so forth. Obviously, people contribute, other people write songs, so forth and so on, but Corbin is the dominant one. But, uh, yeah, live-wise, 1,000%, a little bit more Limp biscuit than... <laughs> corn just because <laughs> if you see their bass player that that man is goofy on stage i'm good but I, like this is so, so weird to admit like i've got neck issues like really bad neck issues i got whiplash from the like pacific tour like uh i'm just dumb once i started watching corn live sets i was just like oh why don't i just head like headbang but do it with my whole torso like them <laughs> and here we are <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's corn that's, that's the effect of corn baby the the influences from a, an injury and, and watching corn live sets Amen. Uh, <laughs> isn't it always yeah yeah you know I've, a lot of people have said that on here that's their biggest influence uh so <laughs> let's uh let's move on here we, we we've been uh we've been just burning through these just chatting having a great time but we're, we're on the just goofing just goofing just goofing song goof on baby that's right uh so the the last song here uh and that is third eye blind semi-charmed life off the album third eye blind released march 26th 1997 uh you want to have a moment and talk about Third Eye Blind? Like, you good? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I go mean, for it. Take it away. Third you Eye have Blind. your five minutes, baby. This is your moment. <laughs> so, okay, Third Eye Blind. I, I discovered this band the same way that a lot of other people did, the same way that I'm sure you did, which was through, you know, uh, the initial, like, those those three big, big singles off this album, uh, which was, you know, Semi-Charmed Life, um, Jumper, 
um, and then to a certain extent, Graduate was was also a semi popular uh, single. But I I've weirdly become like super in love with this band uh, since discovering that that first record and then kind of diving into their discography and realizing like oh this this band is much more than a 90s you know one album kind yeah, of band exactly i was gonna say one hit wonder but i guess they, they do oh no, i but, stopped you there buddy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah I, I mean i just i think this band is incredibly underrated um this song specifically everybody knows it semi oh, yeah. life um if you've watched a teenage coming of age movie from 2000 to 2006, you've heard this song. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Your, your American pies, etc. Um, so the, I'm, I know a lot of people know this as well, because this has kind of become like a, you know, popular fact to throw around because the song is so cheery. Um, but the concept of this song uh, was developed through Jenkins, uh, Stephen Jenkins, the vocalist, um, his observations of friends using crystal meth at a Primus concert. Seriously? Yes. So my man wasn't shooting, like, speed himself? He was just watching other people do it? Well, that, uh, so, yeah, and I was wondering that, too. So he is, says. So he says, yeah. At a Primus concert. Nobody's listening. Jerry was a race car uh, driver sober. Like, don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> yeah, those, yeah. Have have you have you taken any influence from Primus in your uh, in your bass uh, playing? Yeah, I decided not to do that. I don't get that band, man. Whatever. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I I've never really understood Primus, and and I will say too, like. For some reason, Primus always kind of gets like, kind of brought into the same like conversation as Rush because um, Les Claypool like loves Getty Lee so much. But those bands are not at all on the same, not in the same damn wavelength. I don't understand. Nah, man. Anyway, <clears throat> the, <laughs> yeah. So the the song is about you know crystal meth. It, it's directly said in the lyrics. Um, but you know, the, the song incorporates so many different so sounds, um, you know, whether that be those catchy pop hooks to, to these kind of, you know, alt, almost like shoegazy guitars on this album. Uh, and then you have like, almost like a hip hop, like nineties production. There, there's so many interesting, um, you know, variables that kind of go into this, this sound to, to create what this album um, kind of the, the sound that they created for this album. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this song, what, what, what is this song? What is the song representative for you? Uh, this really like made me take a look at my lyrics because I was just pumping out some shit. Like I was writing, I was on like a really bad, like, you know, writer's block. You just, mm -hmm. you're just, you're pumping out genuine shit at a certain point And it's just awful. I wasn't excited about anything, and I heard uh, this song knowingly for the first time. Mm -hmm. So obviously I've heard it in movies, and I kind of knew that do-do-do, like, go figure. But my friend Stephanie, uh, who shows me pretty much every band in the world, showed me this, and dude, it was just so impressive. The guitars were so unique, so beautiful, so rich, and like so clean. And I was on like a huge clean face at the time. Like I was listening to a lot of like 
fuzz but also clean toned music mm-hmm. the lyrics are so wordy yeah yeah and it's still a hit mm-hmm. and that really that really inspired me because obviously like right now like i'm rambling i'm i just i like that type of lyricism but i like it very clean and organized and done well and it's very hard to do mm-hmm. uh it's, this is also kind of like a weird area for me. I love talking about drug use within songs, but I like I don't use drugs, so it's it's also kind of a weird thing. But it's just like he's got a wordy song about blatantly using drugs with such a happy, upbeat tone, with such a great hook, with such a beautiful chorus. It's just like it, it, it's it was the perfect recipe for the a song at the time. I, now that I'm looking at all these songs, like everything kind of popped off at the right time for like all these songs. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Like the, the, it's crazy too, because semi-charmed life is still like, you know, it still plays. Everywhere. It's still in circulation. I heard it at home sense, uh, like three weeks ago when we were getting stuff for my uh, sister. Yeah. Like, and and that's the other thing too, right? You can hear it in like a home sense or, but, but also, you know, it, it's a song that can get played in so many different places because it, I'll it hear can... it at a department store. I'll hear it at a bar. I'll exactly. put it on. Like it fits every vibe. Yeah. yeah. That whole album is just very confusing in terms of, am I supposed to be sad listening to this or should I be happy? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There, there are some real sad songs on there. Um, but but the hooks again and, and just the seriously the riffs you know um and, and so the whole song is very overwhelming too it, there's a lot of tracks on there there's a lot of different instrumentation it's just fantastic mm-hmm. and, and that and, really helped my lyrics become just more organized more wordy but less wordy at the same time i stopped trying to write in like the story so far line style of da 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 and I just started writing full sentences, chopping down the fat, and just kind of going from there. And that's, I've been producing a lot more work in that work style. So I've been very thankful for that. This, this was the, the lead single uh, off this album. And, and like I said, it's the song that kind of, you know, unquestionably shot Third Eye Blind into fame. Um, 1,000, man. But Stephen Jenkins himself, he didn't really love this song because uh, he didn't really feel that it was representative of the album's sound as a whole. Um, Does anyone like the song that they popped off with other than Little Nas? <laughs> I like how that's your go-to. <laughs> like, well, dude, just like I, that man loved Old Town Road. He put up four versions of God. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it is, and, and I think it, it must be, especially if he didn't even like it at the time, you know, picking it for a single, it must be absolutely, you know, exhausting at this point to have to play mm-hmm. this every live show. Um, and, and yeah, I, I do think in a, in a broader scope, this this is probably one of the, the weaker entries, perhaps, in their discography as a whole, but it, it is still an incredible song. But uh, again, That's I would recommend... That's the thing, man. You can't dictate that, like it's just so weird writing a song you can write it three chords and it could be the biggest song in the world and then you write something that's beautiful with instruments out the wazoo and just like it can flop in two seconds it yeah yeah you you don't know you don't know and it's always the weirdest ones that pop off yeah yeah Uh, and so i I i would recommend people check out um 
check out this this album uh, in its entirety, the the self titled album. Check out Blue, which is another one hundred percent. Yeah, really great record. Um, and Out of the Vein is really great too. So you, you know, full disclosure, uh, when you got me on Out of the Vein, man, I didn't stop listening to that. Listen to that instead of the self titled. Get into that first, and then you can be stoked with the self titled. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. You won't be chasing that high. You'll get that high last. <laughs> uh, yeah, perfect. Uh, so you know, ending it off with some with some third eye blind today. But uh, we've you know we have explored all the the sounds that have kind of influenced your playing, uh, Cole. Um, yeah. And so at the end of the episode, I, I like to always ask the guest, "What did we learn today?" Well, we definitely learned something about Nookie, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We we learned, uh, yeah, we learned what uh, Fred Durst, um, what he wrote Nookie about. I want to check out that uh, the meaning behind semi charmed life because if it's literally just about doing crystal math at a at a gig, like <laughs> at a Primus show at a Primus gig, I was gonna say Primus and I stopped myself. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to mispronounce. <laughs> but but yeah, that's. That's fair. That, uh, I think that's those are some good some good takeaways uh, from today's episode. <laughs> All right, hell yeah, dog! Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, like <laughs> okay. Well, uh, th- thank you everyone uh, so much. Uh, thank you, Cole. It's it's been a great time. Uh, we'll, we'll have a new episode coming out next Thursday. Uh, So stay tuned, everyone, and stay safe.